0: everyone how are we good good Uh, if you want to turn I'm going to speak out of Matthew 5 Uh, if you have your Bible or phone or whatever um, I will jump around a bit but it'll be mainly out of Matthew 5 Well, it's good to see you all, second service. I just did this in first service. I'm still getting used to this mic. Um, Someone said, that's a nice Britney mic. (laughs) So, that's good. Um, Yeah, good to be here. Uh, If you don't know me, I'm Noelle. Um, I am from the United States. I'm from Baltimore, uh, Maryland, which is on the East Coast. Um, I grew up there with my older brother, uh, my mom. I grew up in a Christian home, Um, yeah, and then I went to university, and then I, uh, after that in 2017, I moved across the country to California, um, and went to a ministry school. Uh, called Bethel at Bethel Church, if you've heard of it, um, Bethel School of Ministry, um, and I was there for four years, and that is where I met Tom, uh, who is the youth and young adults pastor here, um, just recently started in September, um, and yeah, we started dating, um, and then we were long distance for a bit, um, which is not fun at all, it's, it's yeah, it's not great, wouldn't recommend it, uh, but we got through it, um, and then Um, I moved to the UK in May. Uh, We were married in July. And then uh, we moved to Bishop Stortford in August. So we've been here for about three months. Um, Really enjoying it. Um, I'm slowly acclimating into UK life. It's very different um, from the States, for sure. Everything is smaller. Um, (laughs) But it's been good. Um, Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I'm happy to be speaking. This morning, um, we're starting a new series today, uh, which is called "Dam Busters, um, and it's basically about uh, things that we have to break through in order to do the things of God, I think. So today, I'm talking about any barriers that we might have to break through um, to fellowship. Um, so I thought it was interesting that I got asked to speak about this, because I'm about the most introverted person uh, ever, I think. Um, really enjoy my own company, love being by myself. Um, so when I first got asked to do this, I thought, oh, barriers to fellowship, my personality. But um, <laughs> but no, I think there are some real ones um, that we face, so I'm just going to talk a bit about that this morning. Um, before I start, um, I did this in first service, it worked pretty well, but I'm just going to ask a couple questions and would just love to get some feedback just to see where you guys are at with fellowship, um, if that's all right. So I'm just going to ask for a raise of hands. Um, so, first question um, is just, how do you feel that you are doing in your fellowship in church? So, it could be here at CCBS, um, just in the church in general, if you have friends in other churches or things like that. Um, the first option would be, I'm feeling really good in fellowship. I feel really connected. I feel really engaged. I feel that I have community. Um I feel a part of the body of Christ and a part of CCBS. Um, The second option uh, would be more, I want more in that area. I don't feel fully formed in fellowship. Um, I feel that I'm still working on that. I would like more community or more fellowship. Um, So let's start with the first one. Anyone feel just that you feel good in fellowship at CCBS or in church in general? Okay, great. Good. Okay, good. And then second one. I'm raising my hand for this one. Anyone feel like they would like more in fellowship in general? Can you raise your hand high? Okay, cool. Okay, so it's about half and half. That's great. First service, it was like 95% the first one. And I was like, well, you guys are already good. So I don't know I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, no, that's really good. Okay, second question. Is your fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Um, how do you feel that you relate to the Holy Spirit? So first option would be, yeah, I feel really comfortable with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's my friend. I commune with the Holy Spirit, um, and I feel very comfortable in that relationship and my fellowship there. Second option would be, I would love to grow in that area. Maybe I don't really feel that I fully know who the Holy Spirit is, and I would love more of the Holy Spirit in my life or understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's do the first one. Hi. Owls in the middle, good. <laughs> uh, okay, and then I'm raising my hand for the second one. Anyone have a second one? Okay, great, cool. All right, cool, great. Sorry, I didn't think there's no middle ground there. It's the one or the other. All right, great. Okay, um, cool. So I'm just going to start with why fellowship. Um, If you were here last week, Gareth gave a really good sermon. I think it's one of the best that I've heard him preach. Um, And he was talking about the the early church in Acts and how they were devoted, uh, Acts 2.42, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Um, I thought it was really good. Um, But he he gave this definition for fellowship. He said, fellowship is God-oriented friendship that inspires us to pursue the things of God. And he just kind of talked about how it's deeper than your typical kind of small talk or your typical normal conversations that you might have on a Sunday morning, maybe, um, or in your day-to-day. But rather, it's something that we connect um, because we love God. We connect through this, and it urges us on, um, inspires us on in our walk with the Lord. and he just kind of talked about it being fundamental to our walk with God. He talked about it being maybe one of the spiritual disciplines that maybe we don't think of it as being one. Maybe we don't think of hospitality or fellowship as being something that is a way that we actually follow the life of Jesus. It's a way that we actually copy the life of Jesus so that his, the way that he lived on the earth, our lives look like that. Um, but I think it is. Um, I think it's really important um, when you think about Jesus, Jesus has always been in fellowship forever because he's a, there's, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the word, uh, the Trinity. So there's the Holy Spirit, the Father in Jesus, right? So Jesus has always been in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and he's always been in fellowship with the Father, and that's where it began. And so from that, I look at Jesus and I say, yeah, I want, I want that. I don't just want fellowship with God, with the Trinity, but because Jesus has always been in fellowship, I know that I'm designed for fellowship. I'm made in his image, and so I was made for it. Um, whether you're really introverted or really extroverted, um, whichever way we are, um, just understanding and appreciating the fact that I was actually made for this and made for people, um, yeah, I think is really beautiful. Um, I was thinking about Jesus, and when Jesus came to earth and he was preaching, um, he didn't actually preach a personal relationship with God. Sounds kind of uh, heretical maybe, but he didn't. Um, he preached that the kingdom of heaven had come to earth, that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And when you think about that statement, it's actually inherently relational. He did model a personal relationship with God. He went alone to to be, to be with the Father, right? But... Um, in what he presented to us and what he presented to people when he preached is that it was a kingdom and a kingdom can't just be me. It can't just be my personal relationship with God. A kingdom is, is full of people um, and I really love the Sermon on the Mount. I've been quite stuck in the Sermon on the Mount lately um, and every single topic that Jesus goes through, I think he's saying this is what the kingdom is like and that everything you do in this kingdom affects everyone else in the kingdom. Um, just found that really beautiful. So, Um, Yeah, so I recently was at, um, I was at a birthday party a couple weeks ago. I was talking to a guy who uh, lives in London, and he used to go to church in London and stopped going. Um, And we were just kind of talking, and he told me that the reason he stopped going to church was because he had so many other social avenues in other areas of his life that he didn't have at church, that he just felt that it was unnecessary for him to go. Um, he then joked with me and said that he realized he had missed the point of church. Um, (laughs) But he basically was saying that, yeah, like, I didn't feel a reason to stay in church because I've got that need of social interaction filled elsewhere. I just found that really interesting because... We, so not only is our fellowship for us, not only is it for our own growth and for other people's growth, but it actually speaks volumes to non-believers. It actually speaks a lot to when someone comes into a church, um, how do they feel immediately? Do they feel brought in and do they feel that their social life in the church is actually something that's bringing them closer to God or making them want to stay? Um, so I think that just speaks a lot to the importance of fellowship. Um, Yeah, Uh, so I'm going to move into barriers now, so I just, I was asked to just come up with a few reasons as to why we might uh, struggle with fellowship, or not want, or have a hard time with fellowship, Um, so the first one, um, I don't really know what, to call this, but I was talking to my mom and I told her that I was gonna be preaching at church. And my mom's a very like wild person. She just kind of says whatever she thinks and I don't think she has a filter whatsoever. Um, never has, my whole life, it's embarrassing. And so I was uh, talking to her about this. I said, oh you know mom, I'm, I'm talking at church and she was like, oh what about, I said, to Fellowship and she said, oh I have one. And I said, okay, what is it? And she said, well when people are really annoying, She was like, when people are annoying, total barrier to fellowship. And I was like, okay, thanks, Mom. That's really good. I'm going to use that. Good point. Um, But I actually think it's kind of true if you think about it. I think we, you know, you start serving somewhere. You go to a home group or you go to a small group, and there's always, not always someone, but there's sometimes someone, you know, and the person that maybe you just don't get on the best with or that you... Um, have a hard time connecting with. And I think we tend to create our circles with people that we uh, connect the most with, that are the most like us, and we kind of just stay there in fellowship. Um, But I would actually argue that it's actually not full fellowship if we are not including those that perhaps are a bit more difficult for us to be around, maybe the outcasts in the church, um, because I think there are some. Um, And so I think that's really important. I think... I have this proverb that I really like. It's Proverbs 25.2. And it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. Um, Another translation I like says, it's the privilege of God to conceal a matter and the privilege of kings to search it out. So if we're the kings and queens, if we're the sons and daughters of God, um, I've always read that verse in a way to say that God hides himself so that I can find him. He hides himself to be found, which might sound a bit strange, but I think God hides himself in a lot of places. Um, and in one place, I think he hides himself is in the people that we have a harder time getting on with, to be honest. I think, I think you know, let's say I prayed to the Lord and I said, God, I really want patience. I want to be more patient. Like, make me more patient. And then a month later, there's suddenly someone in my life that in order for me to be around them, I have to be patient, and they cause me to have to use patience because they're more difficult for me. Um, It would be a shame if I then used whatever power I had to either remove that person from my life or I removed myself out of the situation where that person was because I think God's trying to grow something in me. I think he's trying to use that person that maybe I have a more difficult time with to actually change me into a new person. And... and I think we shouldn't overlook that in the body of Christ. I think there are people that um, need to be brought into that. Um, and there's also things for us to gain. There's something for me to gain in that, and there's something for that person to gain. Um, I think that's really important. Um, yeah. I want to read this uh, scripture in Matthew, if you turned, um, turning to Matthew 5, verse 43. And I usually read this in the context of non-believers, but I actually think if you read it in the context of thinking actually about inside of the church and fellowship, it works quite well. Um, so it's verse 43. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Um, sorry, context. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Sorry, Jesus talking. I realized I didn't say that. Um, However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you and respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly father. Verse 46. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that. How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even the ungodly do that. So yeah, when you're extending an invitation to someone, like even if it's, you know, whoever it is, like I think we need to pay attention that we're inviting in and extending kindness, the same kindness we would give to people that maybe are more like us or that we understand. So the ones that we don't, the same invitations and the same love because I think that is fully formed fellowship in the church um, and that we need it. Is that good? Yeah. It's all good? All right, great. Um, yeah, I had a dream um, a couple years ago while I was at Bethel. Um, if you know Bill Johnson, he's the main pastor there. Um, I had a dream with him. Uh, and uh, We were sitting across from each other and we were in a room and um, we were to- talked about some things that were going on in my life and then he was getting up to go and I kind of leaned and I said, Um, I just have one more question. And he said, yeah. And I said, what's the difference between people who are all in for the Lord, like who have given everything and are totally there and just love the Lord, and the people who are maybe half in, half out, um, or maybe just not fully given to God? I said, what's the difference between those people? Um, And he kind of thought about it for a minute, and then he looked up and he said, sacrifice. Um, And then my dream ended, and I woke up. Um, and I thought about it for a long time after that, because um, I felt like it was a dream that the Lord had given me. Um, but right when I woke up, I thought about that uh, verse in, in scripture where it says that God desires obedience more than sacrifice. And I was kind of like, great, okay, I don't know what that, what that dream means then. Um, but yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, maybe it's not things that I'm sacrificing directly to God, but what am I sacrificing for his people, What am I sacrificing for the people around me? Um, Is fellowship for me actually costly? Does it actually ever cost me anything? Um, What does it look like for me to have fellowship in my life actually be a sacrifice? Does it mean that if I'm tired and I'm worn out right before home group, I still get up and I go and I still bring my full self? Does it mean that I um, pay for a meal for someone when maybe I don't have full finances for that at the moment and I'm actually doing it in faith? Um, does it mean that I invite someone to coffee who maybe I realize isn't going to be the most uh, easy connection, but that I feel that they need someone to reach out to them in the church and that I've seen that maybe they don't have friends or something like that? Um, but what does it actually look for me to have fellowship be a sacrifice and a cost? Because I think that is pleasing to the Lord. I think it's, a, I think it's something that makes him feel loved, Like when Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water to the least of these, you're giving it to me. I don't think that was just like a sweet thing for Jesus to say. I actually think he meant it. I actually think when we love his children, he feels so loved as a father. I think we are loving Jesus when we do that. Um, I I was thinking about a story uh, in 1 Samuel 24, it's at the very end of the book, and King David is going to make a sacrifice to God. He's gotten himself in a bit of trouble. And so there's a plague on the land and he's going to make a sacrifice to God to try and stop the plague. And he gets to this field where God has told him to make the sacrifice. And he says to the man who owns the field, I want to buy the field from you so that I can build an altar and sacrifice to the Lord. And since King David is the king, the guy's like, you can just have the field, like you don't need to pay for it. And David actually says, far be it from me that I would offer the Lord something that has cost me nothing. And he buys the field instead. Because he doesn't want to offer God something that, didn't actually, that wasn't actually a sacrifice. that didn't actually cost him anything. Um, I just find that story really moving. It, it, it fuels me to want to make these things that I do in my life with people actually be sacrifices to God and not just things that I have to do because I'm in church or not just things that I should do, but rather something that is gonna bring a smile to the face of God, something that's gonna um, bring delight to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great. So let fellowship be a sacrifice. Great. All right, point number two um, Second barrier, I think, is shame and guilt. I think this one is quite talked about in the church, so I'm just going to touch on it. But I think, um, yeah, I think it's when we're in shame and we're in guilt, I think we often hold people at an arm's length like this. I think we're a bit insecure about the things that we've done because maybe we think that the thing that we've done or the sin that we're stuck in is just the absolute worst and that no one else has ever dealt with it, when in reality, most people probably have. Um most people that you tell about that sin are probably, you know, maybe dealing with it or probably have some experience with it. Um, but I think what happens is that we, we don't actually allow ourselves to be fully known if we aren't vulnerable with other people in the church about the things that we're struggling with. Um, I really like Brene Brown. Um, I think she's a great writer and speaker. And she says that the antidote to shame is vulnerability. Um, that if we're feeling shame and guilt about something, actually telling someone about it, as scary as that can be, is often the thing that brings us out of it. Often just someone else going, yeah, I've also done that, or yeah, I've also experienced that, is actually the thing that can move us forward. Um, I once, I had these two friends who got married a while back, and um, they had set up boundaries for themselves before marriage, physical boundaries that they wanted to stick to and they didn't stick to them, and they were really upset about it, and um, they felt a lot of shame and guilt about it, Um, and they were taking premarital counseling, and their counselor said, I want you to go and tell your bridal party, all the people that are closest to you that you haven't stuck to your boundaries and that you messed it up, and I want you to go tell all of them, Um, but it wasn't just to tell them to tell them, it was to tell them because they said, on your wedding day, we want you to be fully known, We want you to be celebrated in your marriage for everything that you are without having anything hidden. I think the beauty in that is that I think there's a lot of love to be felt from other people when you tell them the worst thing you've done or just the thing that you're the most embarrassed about yourself and then they go, well, of course I still love you. Of course we're still going to be friends. Like, of course I still want you. I think there's just a lot of love in the body of Christ to be had through that vulnerability that maybe we miss out on if we choose to keep things hidden or things to ourselves. Um, Yeah, I think it can definitely be a barrier to fellowship. So I just encourage you, if you you are in that place, if you do feel shame or guilt over something you've done, like find someone. um, Find someone, uh, find a friend, find a family member if it's that. Um, If you're new to a church, like, There are pastors, there are a lot of people to talk to, but finding someone that you can share that with and become vulnerable, I think, brings you into community. I think it brings you into fellowship. It's really important. Um, Yeah. Is that good? Sounds good? All right, great. Um, Okay, the third boundary, or sorry, third barrier uh, is busyness, which I'm sure we all experience. Um, It's kind of interesting because in COVID, we were like totally not busy, doing nothing. And now that we're out of it, I remember thinking that maybe it would be a slow thing, but it just seems like we got right back into it. Does anyone else feel that way? And then all your schedule is completely filled when I'm like, just like not that long ago, I was just doing nothing every single day. Um, It's kind of strange, but it is interesting how quickly we can get back into things like that, back into busyness. And it's also interesting how... If you notice when you get busy, the first thing to go is not like the time you spend on your phone or the time you spend on Netflix. It's like reading your Bible or prayer or like quiet time with the Lord or fellowship or inviting someone over or going to some event that maybe, going to home group, for example, you're like, oh, I'm exhausted from work and all the other things I've done this week. I'll just skip it this week. Um, And... I think we need to ask ourselves, like, are we being intentional to take care of ourselves enough so that we actually have something to give in fellowship? So that when we come to church and we come to home group and we come to a service thing, have I actually given myself rest this week? Like, have I actually scheduled that in so that when I go to be with people, I, like, can actually give of myself? I can actually be fully present and fully there. Um because I think if we're modeling our lives after Jesus, he did do that. Um, he, Jesus Sabbathed. Um, lots of people don't Sabbath now, lots of Christians. I don't know that I think that it's a command in Scripture. Um, but, Or I guess that's debatable. But Jesus, being a part of the Jewish culture, would have Sabbathed. So that means once a week. He would have, from Friday to Saturday, sundown to sundown, um, the Jewish people didn't do anything. Basically, they prepared all their food ahead of time, and then they rested for a day because God rested on the seventh day, and so they didn't prepare food. Um, I've read that they couldn't walk more than a mile, um, so no exercise. Um, you know, they they just completely rested from the week of work. And I'm not saying that it's necessary to instate this in your life, although it might be a good idea. But are we actually working in time to where we can rest from people so that when we are with people, we can actually be present? Um, I think it's really important. Um, another thing that Jesus did is that we see that he regularly left people and went alone to be with the Father. So I'm going to read Luke five fifteen through 16. It says, The news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And and I think Jesus did this probably for the same reasons. I think people, crowds, like whenever you read in the gospels, Jesus is surrounded by people. He's surrounded by crowds. People follow him. A lot of the times he tries to go away and people come find him. Um, And not just the crowds of people, but also his disciples. Like you take someone like Peter is following you, who often seems to be really obnoxious in scripture. To me anyway, I would find I would find him a bit annoying, I think. And so but Jesus has got these twelve guys kind of looking up to him, being like, You're gonna save us essentially. And he's got these crowds of people coming to he coming to be healed. Like that and Jesus was a human. Like that must have been exhausting. Like he must have known the limits of his humanity. He must have known his capacity and said, I actually have to go away. I actually have to go be with God or else I'm gonna forget why I'm doing this. Like I'm gonna I need to be with God. I think it was a a necessity for him. And so if it was a necessity for him, all the more it should be a necessity for us. All the more it should be a necessity for me um, to be with God. Yeah. Um, Something I ask myself sometimes is if Jesus had my life, so if he was, you know, living in Bishop Stortford, recently married, going to this church, doing this job, um, how would his life look different from mine? If he had the same life as me, what would he be doing differently? Um, I ask myself that a lot. I think it's a good question, especially in terms of fellowship or in terms of um, just how we model our lives or how we structure our lives. Do they actually look like how Jesus lived? Because um, a good way to become like him is probably just to copy the way that he lived, right? Yeah. All right, let's do the next point. Um Next point has to do with the Holy Spirit. That's why I asked you for a raise of hands um, on how you're feeling with your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Last week, Gareth preached um, in Acts, like I said. He preached on the early church. And he was talking about how the early church were devoted to each other and the things that they were devoted to. And he was basically saying that they had this unique kind of fellowship with each other. But I was thinking about how they couldn't have actually had that fellowship without the Holy Spirit. So first the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, right? And it falls on the early church. And then you see out of that, they have fellowship with each other. So I'm gonna read Acts four thirty-one through 32. It says when, this is a time, this is speaking of the early church. When they had ended their prayer, the building where they were assembled shook and all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And then the very next verse, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the very next verse, and the whole body of believers was united in heart and soul. So there's a clear connection between the fact that they were unified, which we're all wanting to be unified in the church. We always talk about unity. But first, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it couldn't have been without the Holy Spirit that they felt unified with each other. Um, And so I think when it comes to fellowship, like, if... If we are filled with the Spirit and we're living our lives doing things that please the Spirit, it's going to involve other people because that's what he wants. I think the Holy Spirit loves his people and loves to be with his people. Um, But I think that without friendship and communion with the Holy Spirit, we can often get quite tired and quite exhausted. Um, And so I just wanted to stress that. I think it's really important um, to be a friend of the Holy Spirit so that you can be a friend of, of his people. Does that make sense? Is that good? Yeah, good? Okay, great. All right, I'm just going to move on to some practicals. I think I'm good on time. Yeah? Okay, great. I'm going to move on to some practicals. Um, yeah, for those of you that raised your hand and you were like, I would love to be more involved in fellowship, or I would love more community, here are some things that have helped me. Um, Okay, so one thing, I've been listening to a podcast lately, um, and it's on, they're doing a series on interpretation and translation of scripture, which I don't know a lot about and want to learn more about. So I've been listening to it, and they talk about this, this proverb. You've probably heard it. It's Proverbs 22.6, and it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. How many of you heard that? A lot of you, yeah. Great. Um, and so this guy was talking about how, if you take that scripture, but you translate it directly from the Hebrew, how they would have read it, it actually the word train reads more like it means to awaken a thirst in someone, and if you take the part that says in the way he should go, it actually means according to the way he is bent, like bent, so basically. The difference is train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it and awaken a thirst in someone according to the way that they are bent and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I I just think the difference between those two is profound because I think, so for example, I love to read. Um, I studied English at university. I absolutely have always loved books, loved reading and loved writing. I've always found God very easily in scripture. I've never found reading my Bible hard. Like I don't, I find it very engaging, I love to read it, Um, I love to be dedicated to it, but I realize that for a lot of people that is not the way that they are bent. Like, a lot of my friends have a really hard time just sitting down and reading the Bible, so they listen to it, or they read it in a group, or they find other means to get the word of God into us because we need to. Um, But I'm realizing, like, I've awakened a thirst in myself in scripture for God in the way that I'm bent, right, towards reading and towards Scripture. Um, And then when I've grown old, um, I I haven't departed from it. I still love to read Scripture. I still love to find God in Scripture. So I guess my point is, like, what way are you bent towards fellowship? Because I think we're all made for fellowship, but maybe you're trying to find fellowship in ways that are typical or normal in the church, but you're actually finding yourself exhausted from them. So, like, if every week before home group, you're just absolutely dreading going, you should probably consider that. You should probably think about that. Like, do I, does this actually bring me life? Does this form of fellowship actually feed me? Does it actually inspire me on to be with God more and to have him more in my life? For a lot of people, it does, I think. Home groups are really beautiful. Um, But maybe, like, maybe you love one-on-one fellowship. Maybe you just like going to coffee with someone. Maybe you like to go on a walk with someone. Like, maybe you only really connect with people when you're serving. Like, maybe you need to be in a service project with people. Um, Maybe you like hosting, and you'd rather have people over to your house, and you just find that you're filled with so much joy when you get to invite people in um, to your personal space, you know? But I think it's important because if we're constantly doing Like, if we're constantly fellowshipping in ways that are actually exhausting us, I think that's how we lean out of it. I think that's how we slowly come out of fellowship because the ways that we're going for it actually aren't bringing life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So I would find, talk with the Holy Spirit, like, what are some ways that I can fellowship in the church in CCBS that are actually going to bring me joy in life? Um, Yeah, the second thing I want to talk about is to be intentional. I think intentionality is really important, and it's often overlooked in the church. Um, So, like, I'm newly married to Tom, um, and when we, when Tom and I actually set aside time to do things in our marriage, and we set aside specific time of, like, we're going to Thursday night, we're going to go on a date, and we're going to make dinner, and we're going to watch a movie. Versus, like, we could do the same thing on Tuesday night, let's say. Like, we could literally make dinner, watch a show, and play a game. But the fact that we set aside a t- like time aside to go do that makes me feel so loved by it because it's intentional. Because we actually decided, no, we're going to do this so that we can bond, so that we can grow our relationship and love each other. Does that make sense? There's such a difference in that intentionality. And so I think the same goes for people. Like, are you intentionally reaching out to people um, to check how they're doing? Like, um, something I try and do, and if I don't do it with you, just don't say anything. But I try to do this. (laughs) um, So... When I talk to someone and I'm meeting them for the first time or second time, um, they'll often, people will tell you something about their life. Well, the next time I see them, I always try and remember one thing they said the last time we talked and bring it up and talk to them about it. I know that might seem obvious, but what I'm saying is like, what I'm trying to communicate is I'm listening to you. What you're saying to me, I'm listening, you're heard, I care about what you're saying. I want to talk with you about it more. I would like relationship with you, right? It's just intentionality in these conversations that you do have with people on a Sunday morning I think often can grow into something so much deeper if we'll actually be intentional to listen and to lean in and to care about people's hearts and their lives. Does that make sense? Great. Um, I had a friend uh, who I went to school with and what she would do is she would ask the Holy Spirit, she would be like, God, in this season of my life, can you highlight two people who I should pursue, who I should be intentional with? Um, and she would, she would, Holy Spirit would highlight two people to her, and she would pray for those people every day. She would reach out to them and go hang out with them. She would text them and just say, hey, you're, I'm thinking about you and I'm praying about you, um, and I want you to know and she would just intentionally pursue these people for that season of life. And it doesn't mean afterwards, she just dropped them and they never heard from her again. But um, she would just she would just pursue them. And then when that season had ended, she felt that the bond had been more fully formed. And then she would carry on. And the next season, the Lord would highlight two more people. And so what she was doing is being intentional of like, I want to know the body of Christ and I want to know the people around me. And so I'm gonna work at it, basically. Um, I thought that was beautiful. Um, um, Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do one more thing before I end. I did this in first service. Um, I think it went okay. So um, if you just take out your phone, um, taking out your phone in church, I know. Crazy. Um, If you just take out your phone, open up your messages. If you don't want to do this, it's okay, but I would encourage you to. Um, Open up your messages. And I want you to just find one person. Um, It can be a good friend of yours or someone that you haven't talked to in a while. Um, And what you're going to do is you're just going to make a message for them. So it can start by saying, I just wanted you to know I'm really thankful for you. Um, It can start by saying, hey, I just want you to know that um, if you've been praying for them or if you want to be praying for them, I'm going to be praying for you. And then I want you to just tell them one thing that you really love about them. And if you need help, you can ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what's one thing you really love about this person? And then I just want you to send it. Um, It can be as simple as like, I missed you at church last week and I wanted you to know I'm thinking of you. Or um, I love how you're an excellent cook. Whenever I come to your house, your food is the best. Um, Something as simple as that and send it. Yeah, I just think, simple things like this like simple sending a message or reaching out to someone or sending an email or whatever it is or calling someone like i think we don't realize how much as the body of Christ we need each other and so many people are longing to be reached out to and actually loved in that way to to know that to someone else at church they're actually thought of and important and like hey i actually noticed that you weren't at church last week like i actually noticed that hey, you told me you were having this big doctor's appointment. Like, how did that go? You know, stuff like that. Just to be intentional with each other, I think, um, just builds a really beautiful community. And I know you guys are already great at it. Um, Tom and I have talked about how we've really seen in action how good CCBS is at coming alongside each other. And, like... We moved into a new flat, um, and we had so many people be like, oh, do you need this? Do you need this? Do you need this? Do you need this? And just offering us their stuff from the church. And we just felt so supported and so encouraged in that. So, yeah, you guys are great already, but maybe just some advice on that. And I think that's all I've got. So I hope that was good. I hope that was helpful. Um, I'm just going to end with prayer, if you'd like to stand. Yeah, thanks God so much um, for CCBS. Thanks for um, just thanks for the body of Christ, Father. Um, thank you that you're constantly growing us and and bringing us into more of a revelation of who you are through your people. Um, I just bless every relationship in this room, the ones that are struggling, the ones that are um, the ones that are just starting, um, the ones that have been around for a long time. And God, I just ask that you would. Um, just bless those relationships and bring them to a next level, God. Um, that You would strengthen those bonds and friendships, Lord, in the church. Um, I just ask for new ideas, Lord, in, in every mind here and every heart here, God. Um, that we would be open to um, new ways of fellowship, new forms of fellowship, um, God. Show us what what heaven looks like on earth, God, through our community and through our relationships with people, Lord. Um, And yeah, we just pray a blessing over everyone in the room, every relationship and family.